down the far side, got a man open in the end zone. Stills grabs a touchdown. Kenny Stills, what a pair of hands. Layman showing blitz. There's the blitz. Yesterday, man, they're scared. Damn scared. They're scared, and that's not to our advantage. You have to get a scared man, scared team. Super job, you're a champion, undisputed champion. All right, everybody, welcome to the Bud, Barry, Bob, and Beer podcast. I'm your host today, Kamir Murabi, and joined by Stephen Brown. Stephen, it is a Saturday, I guess it's evening now. It's been really nice all day. Technically. How are you doing? Yeah, it's been a good day. Good. It's it's been a pretty good day. I, I woke up pretty hungover. I'm not gonna lie. So, like when you texted me about the podcast like noon, I I totally blanked on it. So I I needed a couple hours to uh, recover. Did, uh, do what do you do? What's your recipe for success? For recovery. Mm-hmm. Today I did like a like a Ted's quesadilla, and then I just drank some like uh, some water, some Gatorade. And I felt I found like an Alka Seltzer tablet, something like that for a hangover. So took that and feel great now. So there Alka. Oh, throw throw a Starbucks or... triple shot in there too. Oh, well, that helps. I get that caffeine that in. Yeah, you need, need need to drink more water. Rehydrate. That coffee's gonna take. I try right to drink a liter you. a day, but I've been failing. Aren't, I think you're supposed to drink like three. Oh, well, I drink like a half, half a liter. Hey man, we're not be holding any 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 Next, charts. Yeah, Tom Herman. Probably not a big fan of me today. It's okay. I mean, he would have been a been he would have been a big fan of you in general if you weren't on his team. All the G two Gatorades mixed Probably. with vodka. Hey, Tom said Herman's looking good. good though. He's he's got his his life together. It looks like. Where's where's he even at anymore? I forget. It's what Florida Atlantic is maybe? it? FAU? It's a Florida school. Good for him. Maybe it's FIU. Good. I don't know. Or international. One of he's he's hanging out in Florida somewhere. He looks like he's sobered up a little bit. Yeah, you'd hope, but it's Florida, so <laughs> we, we got a lot to talk to about. We got a lot to talk about. I mean, Oklahoma. They have had another commitment since the last time we podcast. Also. Big 12 Media Days just took place. Uh, it was the the entire the entire Media Days was just overshadowed by OU and Texas, their exit. And every coach and or the commissioner even had things to say about it. Of course, they're going to go to bat for their teams and or bat to go to bat uh, for their conference. But it was it was just absurd of the amount of like Big 12 media days is where like coaches, players, uh, the commissioner, they put like a, a, they put all their makeup on. Basically they make everything look fancy. They make every team look good. They try to like, you know, tell people that they're going to make necessary adjustments, yada, yada. Everything's going well, or they're working towards everything going well. 
And instead of that, instead of Big 12 Media Day specifically being about West Virginia, being about, uh, I almost said Missouri, being about Oklahoma State, being about other schools and their and how they're going to perform next year, besides somebody voted for OSU uh, to be number one at the conference. And I saw that, I saw a, uh, a short little podcast between him and Philip Slavin from the 1012 network. And that was hilarious. Um, but instead of pumping up their own teams, it was all about OU and Texas leaving the conference, which I thought was hilarious. So before we even get into the Big 12 media days, uh, and I mean days as in D-A-Z-E, like it's just stupid. Let's talk about Jaden Jackson. IMG Academy, nose tackle, massive guy, massive get for Oklahoma. A three-star on several platforms, but also a four-star. Many, I expect him to get a four, his fourth star this coming season for his senior year. Uh, he's a massive pl- uh, hole plugger, what, 6'2", 6'3", at already 300 pounds. About 6'2". What, yeah. what is Oklahoma getting in this guy? And is, is there baggage that comes with him, either good or bad? Yeah, it, it's a big, big recruitment for several reasons. Uh, before that, I mean, my boy Grimlock on Twitter was bugging me for like three or four weeks about him. And I was like, there's no chance. There's no chance. All of a sudden, Oklahoma, for whatever reason, uh, was very alive a couple of days before his announcement. So, uh Big win for Grimlock. Shout out to him. Um, but as far as Jaden Jackson, you just look at the optics of it. IMG Academy, a place where Brent Venables has had a lot of success. Uh, but Oklahoma really hasn't had a lot of success there. I think their last uh, two commitments would have been like TJ Pledger and Buki, which both of mm-hmm. them transferred out of the, the, the program. So um, just a big win for one of the better programs in the nation. Jaden Jackson specifically is a guy that Oklahoma really hasn't had. Um, just a just a really big dude, wide guy. Um, you mentioned the big hands, really powerful. Um, just a dude that's going to get pretty dirty in the trenches. So it's a big win for them. You mentioned he's a three star. I wouldn't be surprised if Jaden Jackson is a top one hundred and fifty guy. I mean, he's he's that good, and it's it's a good year for defensive linemen. So maybe that puts him back a little bit further. But it's just a huge win for Oklahoma. Yeah, and even in the scouting report about him from this this May, uh, heading on into his senior year of high school, they said this guy is going to be a, a light. His light, his his career trajectory is likely to be somewhere playing in the NFL if he lives up to his potential. Uh, the dude's, like you said, the dude's hands and the way he his hand placement is is just pretty impeccable, along with. Him just plugging holes and taking up space, eating up space. They said he had a little bit of work to do as a pass rusher, but I mean, the guy's very, very wide. He's very, very big, and he makes your life again easier as a linebacker. And there's notes that he's he's tied to another defensive lineman that Oklahoma would also like to um, get the gain the commitment of, and David Stone. That hasn't necessarily been something that uh, is a secret, I suppose. I mean, they've been very vocal about it to each other on Twitter because they aren't doing it on threads yet because nobody really is doing it on threads yet. Um, Oklahoma gets Jaden Jackson and David Stone. And let's say they don't get an Orny. Let's just say they get Stone and Jackson in the middle. How do you feel about that? I mean, that's still their best defensive line class in the better part of a decade. 
Um, mm-hmm. I mean, like Perion Winfrey was a big win for Oklahoma, but even, I mean, even him, he's a tier below. He was a Juco guy, um, had an obvious ceiling. Jaden Jackson could absolutely be a first round guy if he wanted to. Um, it's all about putting the work him next to stone stones, a talent they had, haven't had since about 2007, 2006, whenever, when did McCoy commit? What class was that? Somewhere in 2006, 2007. Uh, so, I mean, it's been over 15 years since they've landed a guy of that caliber. Yeah, it's, it's, I, I can't remember what class he was. I remember, uh, McCoy was playing in 2009, uh, when Landry Jones went to Nebraska because it was, it was 2009, Nebraska was still in the conference. It was Joe McCoy and Indomitian Sioux basically just forcing each other's quarterbacks to throw interception after interception. And so he was at least there through 2009. I don't remember him or recall him being there in 2010, but I could be wrong, but definitely like 2005, 2006 class. Yeah. Somewhere around there. But yeah, I would say it's, it's, it's the biggest. So almost 20 years signings since, since, since since then it's, it's been a long time since Oklahoma has been signing elite interior defensive line, uh, guys just on the on on the road and it seems to be be the way that they're kind of pivoting i mean that turnip seed has already gotten things into motion have already got has already gotten things approved uh they just need to start breaking ground on those things don't know when those things will happen as far as breaking ground on those things but he has gotten his facilities approved looks like they're pivoting towards a di- different direction as far as investing in more ways to get players on campus that are more desirable to have a successful season, if you will. So like names also keep on watch. I mean, you have Tatum who's deciding on the 21st today's like what the 15th. So fewer than a week, uh, less than a week away from Tatum's decision between USC and Oklahoma, Oklahoma has promised him the whole uh, football and baseball Kyler Murray situation that kind of turned around his commitment a little or turned around his uh, recruitment, if you will, a little bit. A lot of people suggest he was going to USC uh, O-lineman Eugene Brooks seems to be, you know, you lean, then you have uh, the running back Durham, you have the wide receiver and Bussy, And then Stoney looks like uh, David Stone His Stoney is his nickname. Looks like a guy that um, again, it seems like a dude that would come in with Jaden Jackson. I'd be very surprised to have one without the other, but Oklahoma doing this pivot. You also have uh, you have Zion Raggins on the 18th. So that's right on uh, on Tuesday. Another wide receiver that Oklahoma needs badly. Oklahoma needs wide receiver depth just in general, and especially good wide receiver depth. But just like all this stuff said, Oklahoma's going to likely bring in another pretty good class. I mean, it's going to be a top class anyways because it's going to be so full. But what's the suggestion of Oklahoma? kind of turning away from that turnip seed as far as the facilities are developing because he's already kind of done and topped off what Oklahoma needs to have needs to have done like a lot of the other premier institutions around the, uh, and the blue chippers around the country. And now that they're kind of pivoting into NIL a lot more hardly, if you will, taking a really hard turn into it. What's that suggest for the program? Uh, it's, I mean, like other than excitement, the fact that Oklahoma can start, bidding wars in which they will possibly win like we just saw in Jaden Jackson because nobody really saw that coming uh from a mile away yeah I mean when you look at it 
you always hear that OU's NIL is, is kind of ahead of the game, most mostly because they don't have the money that Miami or maybe Ohio State or Texas does, but they have comparable money. They can make, you know, some bids here or there. I think what happened was OU looked at this class and they saw kind of what happened in the last class. And they said, hey, we have a real opportunity here. If we're going to, you know, go all in, let's go in all, all in on this class because we have so many opportunities with Stone, Jackson, Winery, Okoye, all those those interior and exterior defensive line uh, that they're kind of like putting all their chips into this this class. And I don't know if we'll see it, you know, the 2025 class or 2026, but you'll see some cycles where OU is just going to decide to go all out and set the market on on these guys. And just like owning the market on specific positions that Oklahoma needs. I mean, defensive line has been a need. They, they've been plugging holes for the last however many years with defensive linemen uh, that are in the Juco ranks or the transfers. I mean, look at, look at, look who's going to play this year. Dejon Terry is transfer. Uh, Isaiah Co. He uh Juco, Juco. guy. You've got, uh, I don't know if Philip Pay is going to play, but uh, transfer guy. Jordan Kelly, he was recruited by OU. Who, who else is going to, who else is going to make it in the rotation on the inside that was recruited by OU? I think Kelly Gilliam has a, has a good chance. He's always been a talented okay. guy uh, with a lot of upside. It's just a factor of, can he get stronger and put on some weight? I think the same sure. thing can be said for Halton as well. A guy who I think he came in at like two sixty, maybe two sixty five. Yeah, he was a little bit he's smaller. Popped up to, yeah, he's popped up to about two ninety, just under two ninety. So uh, that'd be another guy that was recruited. I think it was by Alex Grinch, but um, a guy that they haven't gone through the portal or the JUCO ranks to to bring into the system. Speaking of Alex Grinch, I mean, it was pretty hard not to miss what in it said anonymous. Pac-12 assistant coach or anonymous Pac-12 coach said this about uh, USC. And they basically said like, yeah, their offense is neato, but their front seven is still very soft, very mushy and is easy to smack around pretty much. And I mean, every Oklahoma fan kind of already knew that. Um, I don't know. That's, that's partially Alex Grinch's fault. I believe it's partially their strength conditioning programs fault. That also as well. I mean, they get hit in the face and it's why they're going to be unsuccessful against Utah and their remaining years in the PAC 12. And it's why they're, I'm really curious how they're going to react in the big 10, the big 10, they'll drop points for sure because their big 10 defenses aren't set up for the kind of speed that they're kind of displaying. But at the same time, this is Caleb Williams last year and that he's a generational talent. And, uh, but I wonder what it's going to be like when their offensive lines like Iowa are just on the field for seven minutes at a time, just punching the hell out of their front sevens, regardless. <laughs> I mean, like they can be as talented as they want, but if you don't have a proper strength finishing program or a proper, proper, like the front seven coach, uh, between the defensive ends, defensive line and the linebackers, they're screwed. Like, I don't. Doesn't make yeah, any it's sense. It's a different nature. Like even from the Big Twelve, um, where you saw like Kansas State just kind of beat up on OU's defensive line and linebackers. Yeah. And the Big Ten, thing. yeah, the Big Ten. It's going to be even worse because they don't get the SEC guys. Um, you know, like Alabama or Georgia just have these monsters. But 
they'll occasionally, you know, hit on a few five stars. And even then, you look at the like corn fed guys. in Iowa, they, they yep. find, you know, the diamonds of the rough pretty consistently there. So it's it's going to be a tough task for their for uh, Lincoln Riley's offensive line and defensive line there. Yeah, they do manual labor for fun as teenagers. So I mean, there's plenty of really big bodies out there in the big and being the big in the Big Ten, excuse me, that I think Lincoln Riley is going to find a little bit more challenging, uh, especially for quarterbacks that are not generational talents that could possibly win the Heisman twice. If we're being quite honest, I mean Caleb Williams, if he has another fantastic year. Probably is going to win that thing again. So I'm just throwing it out there. We're not winning it again. I just win in general. And so talking about the defensive line getting bigger. I mean, I joked about Laulu moving inside so much because like he's a defensive end. He shouldn't be inside. He arrived on campus last year, played at around 270. Now he's up to like 290 ish, 292. You also have guys on the inside that are playing. Jacob Lacey, who's at 280. I don't have, I don't think he's going to play that that much, if we're being honest. Uh, you mentioned Grayson Halton. He uh, is up to 287, about 290. Uh, Kelly, Jordan Kelly's up to 302. Isaiah Coe's up to 314. Devon Sears, 287. So you went through a period in which Alex Grinch told all these guys to slim down to like 290. Speedy, right? That's all. That's a whole moniker. Um, like, and again, I mentioned like the edges it grinds up to 274, trace forward up to like 260, which is nuts. Uh, stripling up to 250. Uh, there's just a lot of guys that are packing on weight, packing on weight. Uh, and it's probably strength. It's not, it's not, I don't imagine it's bad weight unless you're Ulu. I mean, just eat everything, get bigger, but it's like goes from saying drop all this weight, be as fast as you can to. You're bulking up and you're going to start punching guys basically in the trenches to see what happens. What do you, what do you, what do you surmise by this? Like what is other than just simply Oklahoma wants to shove people around um, and stop the run game, plug holes, et cetera. Uh, maybe wear down on an offensive line as the, as the game goes, as the game goes by. Is there anything else Brent is doing other than getting this team SEC ready? I think he mentioned it in the uh, in one of the interviews at the media days that their nutrition program, um, you know, they've gotten that together and it's now it's in-house thing. So they're kind of controlling what these guys eat and when they eat and all this other stuff. So everything's scheduled, everything's blocked. You know, they have the calories, they have it down to a science. So I think you're seeing that and just the benefits of uh, just Smitty, you know, having a real strength and conditioning program back in the, back in the Switzer center. Um, but yeah, I mean, you look at this defensive line, you know, the past five to six years, they've been kind of a drag down defense, you know, someone's going to get through the gap and, you know, we'll get their foot and we'll drag them down. Hopefully, uh, you know, with these guys getting this 300 range, they're more of a pushback defense where they're going to sure. get, you know, they're going to eat up the offensive line. They're going to get in the backfield. They're going to make the tackles they need to make. And so just dragging these guys down for, you know, three yards carry. And that's like one of the things that Brent mentioned. He he went, he mentioned that they wanted to be able to push people back. They wanted to be physical. They wanted to control the games as well. And you don't just control the games from the offensive side of the ball, as we've seen Lincoln Riley. Uh, you control the games with the defensive side of the ball as well. 
And I mean, that's complimentary football. That's something that Oklahoma has failed to do for a long time. For being honest, they haven't been able to have the offense and the defense on the same page for quite, quite some time, as far as being uh, pretty good at both ones, either really, really good. And the other ones either pretty mediocre last season, we saw a lot of mediocre inconsistencies, so it's really intriguing to see both sides of the ball as far as both sides being aware. Um, and like you mentioned, like having all that stuff down to a science and having a legitimate strength and conditioning coach back in the Switzer Center. Because again, that person that just, just ripped USC's front seven, like, oh yeah, you can just beat the hell out of these guys. You can knock them around. It's going to be an issue. These guys are mushy. Um, I feel if it's a Pac-12 assistant, I mean, like, Dan Lanning's the first guy I think about. He's played he's played against Lincoln Riley teams. Um, yeah, or Tosh Tosh LePoy or some Tosh guy LePoy. at Utah. Yeah, like, I mean, it's Utah just beat the shit out of him. It, it just makes too much. It just makes too much sense. Again, we talked about the reason why Lincoln Riley would be unsuccessful in the Pac-12, specifically with Utah's because they are kind of like Kansas state, but way better on the offensive side of the ball. They're very physical. Uh, it's just, and so that's what Brent's also trying to do with this defense is be physical, knock them back. It's if it's a third and two and you're dragging guys down, like you mentioned, well, it's a first down. If it's a third and two in, you are able to knock dudes backward. Well, suddenly you're getting the other team off the field and special teams comes on. Like, Woody Washington, five foot ten, over two hundred pounds. Billy Bowman, it says he's five foot ten, about two hundred pounds. Gentry Williams, I think, is like one ninety something, somewhere around there. These are like big cornerbacks. These are big defensive backs. So Oklahoma hasn't had since Brent Venables was at Oklahoma the last time. I mean, I remember when Mike Stoops was there, was there, and Aaron Colvin was their lockdown. I think he's probably the last like legitimate lockdown cornerback Oklahoma has had, like the last legitimate one that you could actually depend on or rely on. And he was around like 185. And so the fact that Oklahoma has safeties and cornerbacks all over like 185, 190, maybe even 200 is kind of a big deal. And so I say all of that to to notion that this defense is obviously getting bigger they're getting bigger for a reason and it's not just for the sec it's for this year i think brent knows what's on the line but let's go to big 12 media days a little bit more specifically danny stutzman shows up with the with the bleached hair justin timberlake kind of uh ramen noodle hair look and uh took some really serious questions wasn't like you're Always goofy Danny Sussman, even though that's what he was. He interviewed other his other teammates and what have you. Um, some people took exception to it, but uh, how did how did you feel like the guys were answer questions, etc. Uh, of all that were there because Dylan Gabriel was there, Laulu was there, Drake Stoops was there, and Danny were there along with uh, Brent. Did you think? Did you take anything away from questions they were asked or how they responded to certain questions? Not really, uh, mostly because the setup was just kind of weird. Like the interviews weren't the same as they were like two years ago. Mm -hmm. like, I didn't feel like they had those one-on-one -on -one, like breakdowns. And if they did, it was just so loud that 
you didn't really know what they were talking about. So I, it was kind of a weird setup from the media days. But uh, Danny Stutzman, I thought he handled himself more maturely. I thought that stood out. Sure. Even with the Justin Timberlake. I thought the Justin Timberlake looked, looked good. Everyone's kind of like, it, it should go. But They're you know, crapping on it. I just say let him do he what he wants well to with do. It, let him, yeah. Let him, yeah. Why not? So um, why do why do Danny people Stutzman, care about his hair so much? That's what I was. I, what I want to know. It's because we're, we're in Oklahoma. I guess everything bothers everybody. But he missed that tackle. That hair. That's what people think. <laughs> Basically. But yeah, I thought he showed more maturity. I think he's been more of a leader, and I think maybe that's to be expected. With a lot of Brent Venables has kind of preached about all spring with Danny Stutzman. So sure, I'm kind of looking forward to that. And, and Venables has been really, really transparent with what players he's, he views as taking it seriously, what uh, what players he views as guys need to take steps forward. I mean, like he is really transparent with that, even with the media. It's, it's like not even closed-door conversations of who he wants to see take next steps forward as maturation, as a football player, understanding the playbook where like previous coaches would. Like Bob Stoops would never say, like, I want this guy, this guy, this guy, and this guy to work on that. And, and Lincoln Riley would just say it's a lower leg injury or something like that. Brent specifically calls people out in the public, in the media, which like to some that will kill people. I mean, Bray Walker said Brent Venables was the only coach he liked on the staff, but we'll look where he is now at Texas State. So sorry, Brent. Right. They, or, sorry, one Bray, thing he didn't like being coached by out Was he mentioned James Skalski as a linebacker coach? Mm-hmm. And that that seems like Skalski. You know, I think he's a GA right now, and maybe he'll be a GA yep. next year. But he's seems like he's going to be in line to be the next linebacker coach at Oklahoma whenever Ted Roof, you know, does whatever he's going to do. Because that's a name that's been brought up, gosh, like 10 times since he's been hired. And, you know, you just never hear about GAs like that. Yeah, he's a guy that, met, that I mean, he's fresh off of playing in Brent's system not too long ago. He knows the ins and outs of it as as being a pivotal linebacker in national title games that he's won and lost uh, in the cultural playoff. And like what perfect guy, what better, what better guy to come in there and to coach up that defense, which specifically a guy that's played within it within the last three, four years, instead of Ted roof, who, you know, is going to get heat exhaustion at 10 in the morning before it even gets hot. (laughs) Ted roof got blasted by, I think, uh, Lewis Carter. In one of the drills, I got, I got a video of it. I put on uh, on Discord. That's awesome. It's fantastic. I mean, like nobody talks about Ted Roof. It's all Burn Venables. It's Burn Venables' defense. It's not Ted Roof's defense. Similar to yeah, but even like when you get those videos of the practices, it's always Ted Roof and Burn Venables together. It's never Ted Roof running the drills. Yeah, yeah, I I totally agree. I it. It's the weirdest thing. It feels like Brent is trying to oversee the offense and the defense, even though he's more defensive guy. Um, and it seems like Ted Roof is overseeing the defense just in general uh, and making tweaks here and there with Brent. Um, and Brent kind of just like trusts Levy with the offense, but they're working out like those kind of partnerships with how the, they want the offense to flow because as we noticed later on in the season, they huddled a lot more than they did previously. 
so and it's 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 a weird it's a weird situation. But yeah, no, that's a good point to make as far as Kowalski like actually being in there because a lot of players mentioned he was uh he's a big boost. I mean, he just with just the energy that he brings to that linebacker room, pretty significant, pretty important. And um, I want to back up and talk about even the commissioner, the new commissioner of the Big 12, Brett Yormark, or Yormack. I don't even know if there's an R there. I don't care. I mean, Oklahoma's only here for another year. <laughs> but uh, mentioning that no team really has dominated the Big 12. There's so much parody and yada, yada. And I remember thinking how absurd that was because Oklahoma has won more championships since like has more has won more than 50% of the championships since the league was created um, has made more of those conference championships. They haven't won all of them, uh, but they've made them and won the majority of them. And it wasn't that long ago that at big 12 media days on the screen in front of us um, in, in the Cowboys stadium, they were like, yeah, Oklahoma, they have back-to-back Heisman's because the Kyler and Baker or the Big 12 has back-to-back Heisman's because of Kyler and Baker and it was Oklahoma. And Oklahoma, they have this many, you know, college football playoff uh, uh, appearances. And again, once again, it was Oklahoma and it wasn't anybody else. So tell me that nobody has dominated the conference. I mean, Texas, no, they haven't. They've been shit. But Oklahoma has been pretty good with the exception of last year. I thought that was pretty absurd. But Mike Gundy, sour grapes all around, reminded me of our discussion with Doug Gottlieb, who is being maybe recruited back to OSU staff because their basketball coach sucks. Uh, why? Why like, are they just mad because Oklahoma? Like, I don't understand why they're mad that Oklahoma and Texas are leaving. Especially when they have more of an opportunity to win more titles. And the only the only the only thing these smaller schools do is bitch about Oklahoma and Texas anyways. So why are they pissed that they have more of a chance to win those titles? They think they're gonna get paid more money. And now, like, is it just because their destination, their destination to play at and upset somebody? Maybe it's Provo because I mean that that Big Twelve. What what's your destination? What's the big place that everybody wants to go play at other than Austin and Norman? What are those experiences and atmospheres? It's not like Provo. That's the one. It's not UCF. A lot better teams in Florida than UCF. Yeah, I mean, Mike Gundy's just mad because usually he's just mad about everything. But I think he's just more of a traditionalist. We kind of see that with most of his views. Um, so like him watching the big 12 base i don't want to say dissolve because i feel like they're doing the best they can to keep this thing going but i think they're sure. they're moving in a good direction but mm-hmm. uh obviously money wise everyone's going to take a hit uh for school which oklahoma state should be fine because they they have the the backing there but most schools are going to take a, a hit financially with their their sports programs you're not going to get the same tv deals you're not going to get the same viewership you're not going to have you know big noon kickoff or game day come to a lot of those games. Um, if it's not like TCU, Colorado, um, unless one of those schools is just playing out of their mind. So uh, it's going to hurt them in several ways. Obviously the wallet's the main one, but mm-hmm. Mike Gundy, I think he's just mad because I mean, he played in Bedlam. It meant a lot sure. to a lot of people, even though Oklahoma they state's on win. the wrong side of that record. 
Uh, it's always just been a thing in Oklahoma. So um, I don't see why they can't just keep playing the game. But for him, I think it's it's kind of personal. It's personal. It's all about the money. That's all we heard. The both days. Everything was overclouded. If the SEC approached Oklahoma State about joining, they would join in a heartbeat. So I don't 100%. think Oklahoma did anything wrong. That's why I need. That's why I want them to shut the fuck up. Like if the so, SEC said extended them an invitation to ride the coattails of Oklahoma as Oklahoma State has always done, they would have also signed on the dotted line. But they were not extended an invitation. Oklahoma had a decision to make. Do you stay in the sinking Big 12 where they promised you 12 teams for the last 12 to 20 years? Or do you go to the Big 10? Do you go to the Pac-12, which was supposed to happen like not that long prior before? Or do you go and you actually like play with the big boys in the SEC all the time? And they chose SEC. OSU was not given an invite. Texas is given an invite because it's the two premier flagship programs of the Big 12. And the only two teams that have won a national title while the Big 12 is standing, both Texas and Oklahoma, and both of them have had national multiple national title appearances. I mean, I'm sorry that these smaller programs don't have. I mean, they have the fan. They have the fan base. Some of them, uh, Iowa State, more or less, waits for basketball season. Kansas definitely waits for basketball season. BYU football school, OSU more of a basketball school they can't even sell out that stadium for bedlam i'm just throwing it out there um there's a i mean ucf they're more of a football school seems like cincinnati seems like more of a basketball school houston they're definitely a basketball school right now i play some good <laughs> football don't get me wrong uh, I, I, love, I love samson you gotta love the samson you gotta love the rough, and you gotta love holgerson exactly 100 and so like yes i agree they're bitter because of the money sure i understand but at the same time they complained about oklahoma and texas for ages and now that they're gone and there's this oklahoma fatigue and as far as Oklahoma wins it every year. Oh, they're stealing recruits. Oh, now they're buying recruits, even though they're broke somehow, but also rich at the same time. And <laughs> it, it, it's, it's funny how that works out. It. It's, 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 you know, it is what it is. Um, Brent specifically was really, really, really adamant the entire time. He was like the headliner out of all the guys. I mean, like you look at all the big 12 media days prior to this, with Lincoln Riley, with Bob Stoops, et cetera. Like the headliner of like quotes from media day has usually come from the players. I mean, you, you, Kenneth Murray is an obvious one. CeeDee Lamb's an obvious one. Baker Mayfield, they're obvious ones, right? But Brent Venables was like the guy for all the quotes that circulated around Oklahoma, which I thought was interesting. Uh, he was super adamant on depth. Uh, that they have competitive depth. He was super adamant on that, how they're going to be executing and playing at a higher level at a much higher level this year in comparison to last year, just because of that competitive depth, another year in the system per se. Um, and uh, like, and like Alan Kenny uh, from the keel pod and, and, and uh, plugging them because we're going to do a crossover eventually with 
Peyton and Brady and all those guys are good folks. And if you haven't subscribed to their podcast, I would recommend you do so. And Stephen, would you agree with that statement? I recommend you do it. I already do it. I, I do it too. So. They're, 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 they're Patreon at uh, through the keyhole. It's a good stuff. You guys should listen to it. Check it they're out. Good breakdown. Uh, yeah. And they're good people. I'm stone that out there too. And so Brent was super, super adamant about all those things. And Alan Kenny said it to said it in a tweet. He said, Brent, uh, Brent alluded to it today. There's a disconnect between reality and the perception that he completely overhauled the roster he inherited right away. Transfers filled the holes, but allocated playing time was mostly guys he still inherited, like Justin Broyles, you know, like the guys we talked about. And Brent's first year after that offseason, and when he got there, processes 11 players in year one. Prior to his second year, he has processed or their staff has processed 21 players based off of things like team culture and going to class, going to practice, uh, practicing hard, yada, yada. And I want to like acknowledge also that Oklahoma has not only processed a bunch of guys, brought in a lot of transfers to fill holes, et cetera, temporary holes where they're, where they're also recruiting for the future. Oklahoma also lost five guys, to the NFL draft. Uh, that were good enough to get drafted, not just including guys that got picked up as free agents in Anton Harrison, who's a first round selection, Marvin Mims, a second round selection, Wanya Morris, a third round selection, Eric Gray, fifth round, and Braden Willis, even tight end Braden Willis, seventh round selection. Brent has very clear marching orders and expectations for this year. Feels like if he does not win game nine games, he's gonna be in trouble in one way or another um do you think he feels that pressure or do you think he understands what's in front of him and knows he has a job to accomplish or somewhere in between what do you think about this i think it's somewhere in between because i think he knows what the expectations are uh for oklahoma to win you know double digit games to go to the conference championship to win the conference championship and last year just wasn't acceptable, you know, by his means, by Lincoln Riley, any sort of area you want to talk about, the expectations have stayed the same. It's, you know, you get to the Big 12 championship, you win it, and you go to the playoff, or you go to a BCS game, or a New Year's Six. Um, so I, I I, don't think he's unaware of what happened last season. I think sure. there is some pressure there, well, we but at the same he time, knows. I think it, he alleviates some of that pressure, but just by knowing, you know, what's expected and what, what he needs to do to get things done. So uh, I don't think, you know, he's aware of, he's on the hot seat, but I know, you know, he knows what's on the line this season, just both mm. as far as his career and, you know, some of the players coming into Oklahoma. That's interesting. I, I And I, I really like how you thought of the idea that, and I didn't, I didn't even bring this up. I mean, you're the one that brought it up. You said, I don't think he's on the hot seat. It's intriguing to think about that right now. I mean, like you said, he knows what the expectations are. It's Oklahoma. I mean, the podcast I did with Demetric Warren on Tuesday or Wednesday morning. I can't remember. Which is really good. Uh, you, yeah, everybody should go listen to that one. Uh, it's been, it's, it's fantastic. I mean, Demetric, he's from Mississippi, uh, personnel director of the Under Armour All American Bowl. I mean, this dude is in a decorated uh, defensive line. Wakes defensive up really coach. early. Yeah, <laughs> well, wakes up early for podcasts, but hey, man, like he he was he was ready to go, and uh, and he's a Sooner fan, loves Sooners. He mentioned 
you know, Brent, he's a very aware of it. And he also mentioned the SEC that um, this isn't the SEC of old where Missouri came in and immediately competed for titles. Uh, there's a lot of good teams in the SEC, especially that like the East that the Missouri that Missouri inherited sucked. Florida was down bad. Georgia was uh, Mark Richting it up where they look good on paper to start the year, but never finished well. And so uh, you had Missouri for two years just waiting to get obliterated by who came out of the West. But now there's no divisions in the SEC. And something that he mentioned was this version of the SEC. I mean, even teams like Tennessee, which Oklahoma beat up on in 2014 and came away with a slim victory in 2015 in Knoxville. Is that anytime the SEC plays conference or non-con, they want to beat the hell out of the other team and Oklahoma, like you mentioned, the standard is not beating Kent state by three scores, 17 points, 21 points. The standard is beating them by 35 points. The standard is blowing out Kansas state, despite the fact how hard they may punch in the offensive and defensive line, beating them by three scores in Manhattan. That's the Oklahoma standard. And um, I think it's interesting you bring up, I don't think he's in the hot seat yet. You think his seat's getting a little bit warm, though? Let's say he, we, let's say um, he, win, he goes seven and five. I think a lot of year. people would say. Let's say uh, he goes seven and five. Maybe. Here's the thing. Brent, I mean, to Alan's point, Brent hasn't really brought in his guys. Like, the 2023 class sure. is the first wave of basically players that Brent Venables has brought in. That's not a transfer. Like PG Adabari, Peyton Bowen, those guys, when they get going, I think the program will obviously turn around. But obviously there's a buffer. You can't just expect those guys to come in and just be all-stars right away. So I don't yep. think – I mean, I, he needs to win this season. He needs to win like nine, ten games. But um, I don't think even if he wins like eight or something like that, I don't think he's on the hot seat. Because you just don't, don't think have it's your, like guys yet. Yeah, and I think Oklahoma's more patient. So, like, if this was Texas where they're just absolutely loaded with talent every year and your your boosters have a lot of control, I think Brent Venables would be in the hot seat. But this is Oklahoma. I think people are aware of where Oklahoma's been, that what they need to do, and there needs to be a buffer between, you know, let's grow this thing and let's get serious. And right now we're in the growing phase. Is it the capable rule where he gets – three years and he's out if he doesn't prove it? Uh, I would say four. Four years. Really? You have to remember his contracts, I think, is guaranteed, too. It, it is. Guaranteed. But I don't think Oklahoma even wants to come close, especially under Joe C. I don't think Oklahoma wants to even come close to Texas mentioning of Charlie Strong or Gary Gibbs as far as Oklahoma's predis- uh, Oklahoma successor to Barry Switzer. Um, I don't. I don't think they would go for more than um, three years of mediocre to average play. That's that's what I think as far as the Oklahoma brass. Like it's, it still goes back to fans, of course. He's recruiting worse. at a, a rate that we haven't yes. seen even under Bob Stoops it, or, or Lincoln Riley, and that's what yep. gives me that opinion. So, like, what gives you hope that he does write that ship? Because is it the recruiting classes? Yeah, I mean, you look at you know X's nose matter, but. 
you know, when you have a David Stone or sort of the Jimmy's and Joes. a Jane Jackson or a William yeah. Williams Winery, it changes everything for you. Suddenly, you know, schemes might not matter as much. Sure. Uh, because, I mean, like schemes matter, sure. But, I mean, the guys that are executing those schemes, sometimes Ronnie Perkins still winning a double team and sometimes even a triple team. That yeah, shit don't matter. if you're matter. playing in your opponent's backfield, even Lincoln Riley's offense has struggled. Yeah. And I mean, he's one of the Jack- best offensive minds in the current college football era. I mean, Caleb Williams was beaten to hell in that Pac-12 championship game. And, like, kudos to him for keeping on playing, but damn, son. I mean, look at Jackson Earl during the spring game in the first half when they were just every every snap and you had two defensive linemen in the backfield immediately. So like that's that's what the hope, right? Is that last year's recruiting class in addition to the transfers that came in are going to help you out. And that's what also gives me hope that he writes the ship. Um are there anything that gives you the feeling that things may not improve much? Or are I mean, like the thing that stands out be honest is the game management? Team. Yeah. You know, game management is a problem, and we haven't seen. Sure. You know, I mean, he's the of, first. He know, was a first year head 15th, coach. We haven't had, yeah, we haven't seen any progress because the games aren't aren't here yet. So that's one thing that stands out. Maybe another is just, you know, what does he do with the offense? Like, how do they balance like a high pace, you know, spread offense with with that defense? How do you keep both sides fresh, essentially? It's still so like kind of blows Jeff, my mind. Jeff Levy's not the answer. You know, what, what system do they go to? Do they go to like more of a pro style or do they kind do of think, stick with the spread? Do you think Jeff Levy's the answer right now? Do you think he's like the legitimate guy for this? I team? think he can be. I think, I think he's a pretty good guy. Um, Explain pretty that. Pretty solid can offense, be. but can be. What I mean, you look at his be? offense in at Old Miss, you look at the guys that they had. Obviously, last year it was basically men's, but sure. That that oldness offense was electric, and they have guys with a lot of speed, a lot of power, even power, and and yep, and what with they Dylan do Gabriel. best is they, they just balance the run. So you like yep. even like last year with Javante Barnes, if you know if that's the floor, I think this offense will be great. And it's very quarterback and offensive user friendly. For being quite honest, uh, I feel comfortable with saying that. Uh, it's, it's, it's really easy to poke holes in this Oklahoma team. Uh, I've been super adamant about the wide receivers. Again, something that Demetric brought up. He had also brought up the secondary. I don't necessarily agree with Demetric on that. Uh, I felt like that was more of a front four issue, uh, last year for the secondary than it really was a, a back four back five issue. Um, but I definitely agree the wide receivers, man, I don't like how they're trending uh, or who, like, I necessarily like who they have, but somebody always emerges. Uh, usually uh, I'm, I'm not really sure who does, but it, in an offense that you're going to need to throw the ball, especially in the big 12, you can't just run the ball 24 seven. Well, it's during the Texas game where you play wildcat and that with Braden Willis, which was way more successful than having your second string quarterback and Davis bevel actually throw the ball that that was, that's terrifying. Um, it's, it's a thing, man. It's, it's a thing. And so like, we're going to revisit this conversation a little bit later, uh, obviously down way down the season about Brent, uh, because we're talking about unknowns. 
Now, he mentioned a lot of competitive depth. He mentioned specifically receivers. Gavin Freeman. He mentioned Andrew Anthony, Nick Anderson, uh, Jaden Gibson, LV Bunkley Shelton, Brennan Thompson, Andrew Quez Petaway. When talking about receivers, he believes can step up. Who was not mentioned? He says he'll, he'll help us a lot this year of Petaway specifically, the, the true freshman. Who's not mentioned in that group of receivers? Two. Uh, was Gibson mentioned? Gibson is mentioned. He was mentioned. Yeah, two guys. Now I have to go look at the uh, the depth chart. Nick so, Anderson? If he stays he healthy, me- I mean. He mentioned him. You have Drake Stoops and Julio Farouk as the only two guys that he did not mention uh, he believes that can step up this year. That tells me they have two wide receivers <laughs> he feels confident in, and Jaquez Petaway, who has impressed Venable since getting to campus, but a lot of other guys that Emmett Jones still has work to do with. Am I reading that wrong, or is I that a fair thing I think you're reading that say? wrong. Okay, what do you think? What I think, think it's just it's just known that they're going to be the starters. Uh, I mean, I'm a downer on the, on the wide receivers already. You are. You are. Um, I am. Me, not so much. But um, I think, I mean, we know what Drake Stoops is. We know he's he's got that clutch factor to him. We know Jill Farouk has talent. Um, so I, I don't think to break he necessarily needed to name them. That's why they're off there. Man, he We're just... talking about guys that really haven't solidified a role. Gavin Except Freeman like feels like his Gavin role. Like, yeah, he you know, he, he's like the speed. Year. He's like the speedster right now that can play in the slot or on the outside because he is that fast. Like Gavin Freeman wasn't like at PWO. The dude like has a legitimate speed. He was a three-star like wide receiver that ended up at Oklahoma. He had offers from other places. He was he's not just a walk-on. Okay, like people need to get that out of their minds. Uh, but I, I, do I like him as a main cog or as a like consistent guy on the offense uh, as far as wide receivers when you go back the last 20 years? No, I hate that. Like this reminds me of 2005 when it was Rep Bomar and dudes that would eventually become defensive backs as wide receivers. That's what this year kind of reminds me of with, you know, with, with some reliable guys. Drake Stoops has had more clutch catches and everybody else on this roster or on the wide receiver in the wide receiver room clutch third down touchdown catches, you name it. He's made those catches. Uh, It also just so happens that he's the son of the winning his head coach in OU football history. That makes it even more popularized. He'll be, he'll be drafted because of all that. I'm just throwing it out there. Yeah. Um, When you look at like what Venable said, Freeman limited role, Andrew Anthony hasn't played it down. Right. Uh, Nick Anderson injured all last season, basically. Gibson, I like Bunkley Shelton, and know. I like Thompson's speed. Yeah, we know uh, Bunkley Shelton can get open. They just miss him every time. And I really like ja- uh, Jaquez Petaway's speed. I mean, I think, honestly, I think this is a year that Austin Stogner could really, really help out. I mean, he goes back to an offense that's wide open in comparison to the pro style. That was at South Carolina, away from Spencer Rattler, by the way. It's the first time he's been not in a Spencer Rattler offense. Just throwing it out there. Uh, <laughs> uh, I'm just throwing it out there. Um, 
kind of like yeah, Caleb Spence Williams Rattler was in getting him and getting him killed out there. Um, but um, because remember he would always overthrow Stogner and his legs are taken out from underneath them. Same thing with Calcaterra over the middle with Kyler Murray. Um, so he's been he's being in this wide open offense. And this offense this year, because of the lack of tight ends, is going to, re- I think it's going to look a lot like Jeff Levy's year at UCF with Dylan Gabriel. They have a severe lack of tight ends. I think you're going to see a lot more wide sets. Um, and they're a lot of trust in in Bill Beatenbow's offensive line because they don't, they just don't have the bodies in the tight end room. They're all hurt for the most part. It's a god. It's a it's a it's a godsend that Davion Mitchell or Davion Mitchell is uh, reclassifying to 2024. <laughs> um, and uh, I don't know. I'm just I'm trying to envision what this offense looks like. I'm excited about the defense. Do you think the defense is as much improved this year as Brent is describing? I think they will be. And he even mentioned, like you even talked about the other day, I kept on saying, God, no, please, no. But you kept on mentioning Connor Neer from Ferris State, the Bulldogs. And that was the name that pops up. And uh, he's going to play. I mean, like it it happens all the time. Um, But do you feel good about this defense going into into this year? Like it feels weird thinking about the defense. You feel better about the defense than the offense. That's not been the feeling for several years. And uh, like, going back like the last decade, I guess. I do feel better because I think you're more athletic in the secondary. Uh, but mostly I feel better because of the defensive line. So you're more talented on the edges with Ford and Bothroyd. And, you know, you don't have that high-end guy in the middle, whatever front you want to do, 3-4-4-3. Uh, three, four, four, three. You don't have like a superstar in the middle, but you have several guys that you can rotate and keep fresh. You have Halton in there, 290. Kelly at 300, Co at 314. Like you have several guys that are going to wear down most of the offensive lines in the in the Big 12. I what what I'm specifically looking at this year, like I'm I'm specifically looking at the box score at the end of each game, whether it's a win or loss, and I wonder if it'll tell a story at the end of the season. How many snaps is Danny Stuss been playing each game? Because if he's playing a, lot. a shit ton and not being rotated out and being dead tired on the field, that tells to me Oklahoma is probably losing more games or having a lot closer games than they probably should because of the the youth and the depth at linebacker. I mean, Connor Neer is there. Shane Witter's still there. He's on the roster. He grew. He's at 240 <laughs> right now. Um, or 230, one uh, of the two. Can't remember. 10 pounds is actually quite a bit. But Kip, Kobe, Jaron, I mean, you know. I think he'll still play a lot, not because they don't have depth, but they he's a guy that just knows everything now. I mean, sure. he, they mentioned it in the uh, the media days where he's running player-led, player-led practices. Love to hear So him. he's a guy that can be that quarterback of the defense. Uh, we didn't really hear about anyone else, you know, taking that role. So, like. I think they could still play Canick and be fine. They could play Kobe McKenzie and be fine. Kip Lewis, let's you know, let's wait and see what how he develops this you know over July and, and early August. Um, but they still need that quarterback on the defense. I don't and know if anyone else time, is that guy just yet. Anytime I hear about Kip Lewis, anytime I hear the name Kip, I think of Napoleon Dynamite. I, I just can't <laughs> get it out of my brain. Uh, <laughs> 
you want to take a, a a kick to the to the face girlfriend with LaFonda. these bad boys on yeah <laughs> yeah no, that's a great you know i, I should go watch that rewatch that this evening uh, but yeah is it mm-hmm. i, I mean everything's free. free if you can find it that's true so leaders define stutzman definite major leader on defenses coming year i mean you mentioned it a few podcast podcasts ago about who the team captains were of florida state and those things kind of ring true and i'm curious to see if brent sticks with the and we talked about this before brent sticks with the major captains for this year like drake danny you know who etc or if he does the whole rotating BS that I think is bad actually for leadership climate, despite the fact that it gives up others opportunities to grow and be leaders. I think you need those main voices, but encouragement from those main voices. Thing. I hope it is. I mean, I want my leaders to be front and center, not battling for those leadership positions because then right. it can turn into a weird toxic situation. But I understand the whole point behind it, which is I'm giving you opportunities to lead. I'm giving you opportunities to lead. Like you mentioned with Rain a few weeks ago as well. And, um, and so like, I think it's very clear. I mean, you know who your leaders are, you know, what's still in Gabriel, you know, what's Danny Stutzman, you know, Woody Washington's going to be in there. You know, Key Lawrence is going to be there. You know, a lot of dudes that are being vocal on this defense specifically because they know they didn't live up to last year's Oklahoma standards. And that's been very clear communicated by the entire staff, not just Brent, uh, by, by the entire staff, not just Brent about six and seven. Are you shitting me? This is Oklahoma. Like at nine wins, eight wins is a bad season. We don't talk about those seasons, nine wins at least. Uh, and I, and I'm, I'm, I'm happy and I'm glad for that. And so before we get off the pod, Oklahoma brought in some really, really talented freshmen last year and are going to continue to bring in, some incredibly talented freshmen next year. Uh, around this time, we're, we're going to start talking about them, especially the early enrollees, by the way. Give me one freshman, either side of the ball. You already named one of them. But give me one freshman that's going to turn heads this year and get starting time, not going to be redshirted. Besides the obvious ones, like P.J. Adabari is probably going to play. No, you can go for the obvious ones. Tell me wh- and Tell me why. I mean, P.J. Adebari, he's just different. I mean, we saw him in the spring game. He's just fast. He doesn't look like a freshman. He looks like a sophomore or junior. Um, so he's stupid. just going to be a freak on the field. It's uh, I'll go with maybe a not-so-obvious one because we, we talked about Josiah Wagner. We think he'll probably have some mm-hmm. some burn there. McCarty Washington is the guy that they love. So, I mean, Peyton Bowen, we, have, we know the talent there. Where does so Vickers I'll go play? Lewis Carter. Vickers play uh, a safety or cornerback? Corn- I think he'll play corner to start out. I know That's he's labeled safety, but I'm pretty sure he's yes. working a corner. They said he could play maybe, pretty much anywhere in the secondary. Yeah, maybe like the nickel, like yeah. the cheater role as well, and you know some situations. Mm. But I would like uh, I'll go Lewis Carter. I'll go linebacker. I think he's going to be a superstar. Maybe not this really? year, but down the road. I mean, he's just so fast, so physical. He's not the biggest guy. He's like an Eric Stryker uh, kind of build, but okay. I think he's going to su- like surprise some people this season. Interesting. I like how you didn't go for a lot of the big names, despite the fact that like you did brag on PJ at a for a while. I mean, like I look at the, I look at the edges. Just look at the edges in general, dude. Trace Ford, Bothroyd that they're going to play at the edge. 
They love our Mason Thomas. And you add Adebawari in there. Like, how the hell are these guys getting on playing time? Are like, are you are are at times are you gonna be playing a two, four, five? Yeah. Like for real. Yeah. Like, are you at times are you gonna be playing I think another like, guy that maybe hasn't talked about as much as Taylor Wayne? Mm. The the kid from Tennessee. Yep. There's a wine, something like that. Yeah, there's a wine too. We'll we'll know this season or next season when they start making plays. But it's just like one of those things where you have so many guys that can come off the edge if they're healthy. You can generally play a two, four, five. And like have uh like what Bothroyd on the strong side. Um, and then you just go with who, whoever you feel comfortable with as the edge on, on the weak side. Like <laughs> it's 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 insane the amount of talent they have stacked up on defense. And so it's hard not to go defense. You you have, you have, you love Bowen. You know he's gonna play. Vickers, you know he's gonna play. Now, like I don't know how many games they're gonna play, but as for if as far as cornerback, I feel comfortable in saying the young guys will play a cornerback. Um, safety, no, they won't be playing unless they are game breakers. You got Billy Bowman back there, Key Lawrence. You got uh, Robert Robert Spears Jennings. You've got. Uh, Justin Harrington a little bit with the whole cheetah stuff. You've got uh, um, who, who did am I? Who am I missing Texas right now? Pearson. Pier- Pierce, yeah, Pearson. Pearson. Uh, you have so many dudes at safety. I don't think they'll see the field at safety, but a corner with Gentry Williams and Woody Washington on both sides. I think there's plenty of room for Peyton Bowen to really stick out there as well as I was going to go Jaquez Petaway. So like, I'm glad you went defense um, for the most part. I was going to go with Jaquez Petaway. He is a speedster. He's a guy that they need. Uh, again, I'm a big on wide receiver, on the wide receivers they have. Now, don't get me wrong. Jaden Gibson's talented. Nick Harris is uh, uh, and Nick Harris. Nick Anderson is talented. Gavin Freeman is a speedster in space, but he needs the ball in his hands to do that. Bunkley Shelton again, kind of a water bug, a little bit more agile than he is fast. Uh, Brendan Thompson, speedster. Uh, but Jaquez Petaway, he's fast, sure, but he also has moves after the catch. He's not going to be a guy that he catches a long ball after beating his defender off the line and does absolutely nothing with it. He cuts inside, outside, uh, is really, really great athlete, and I think it's somebody that Dylan Gabriel will enjoy. Um, and that's a, that's a freshman that I think turns heads, specifically because he plays a lot more. I mean, he opens up the offense, especially with Stogner, a massive six seven six eight target in the middle, along with what, uh, I don't know, Angel Anthony on the outside, maybe, or Jaquez Petaway, Drake Stoops, Stogner, and then whoever else. It just makes too much sense. Do you feel like that's too much? I feel like he's going to get a ton of snaps. Petaway? Yeah, I bet he starts some games. Maybe he'll he'll get in the starting rotation. I think he'll also make a big difference on kickoffs. Is that kind of speed? If you know, if the kickoffs, you know, Drake Stoops and Petaway, or maybe they go like Petaway and Brennan Thompson, something like that. Those guys can can break some runs. So, yep. I wouldn't be surprised yeah. to see special like teams. the Alex Ross straight line runs. That it's funky when they no, try to cut. Not but, that rigid. Uh, Gosh, no, they're Alex. they're more fluid. I'm more fluid than Alex Ross. 
remember was it bedlam when he tried to cut back and you could probably let's like, just hear the gears grinding in those knees because <laughs> this man was he's a track star jinx great straight line speed but ooh, the times he tried to cut back it was painful it took a while but, ooh. but uh yeah i i i give it to jaquez pet away just because i think he's gonna get a snap get a lot of snaps because that wide receiver room is a little bit thin because of of course you know, you had all those wide receivers come in, and then they never, none of them really panned out. You had one that got in illegal trouble. You had two they had injury issues. It's just the nature of the beast. Uh, he also didn't mention Brent Venables. Also, didn't mention Hester or other guys that are clearly present. So I think it's just very interesting of the names that were on the top of his head. That just to me says something as far as Venables, who is not a media savvy guy as Lincoln Riley was as others are he he's kind of he's that football coach he's the Matt Campbell's of the situation he's pure football coach he's not there for the semantics the optics he'll give the information right to you and if those the guys right off the top of his head he, he he's he's showing you his cards he's showing you what he's he's got he's telling you of course is he gonna give away all secrets no but for him to say that and to him to say Petaway specifically in particular just tells me what he's seen in camp and how he's been impressed. And that's why I think he's going to be that dude on offense. Not like the number one receiver. Actually, to close the pod, let's do this. Who is the number one receiver? Who has the most catches versus who has the most yards? Because catches don't, don't always most mean yards. catches? Let's go... Man, that's a tough one. And that's where my problem is. Catches, maybe Stockner? I don't know. That's fun. Really? Why Stockner? Why Stockner? Easy easy target target. over the middle? Easy target. Probably not going to, you know, he's going to be open. We know he can get open. And there's just not that many other proven guys. So I think you look. Look at like uh, Braden Willis last year. When things broke down, they didn't really go anywhere else but Braden Willis. Sure. And that's why I'm low in the wide receiver room because, like, we don't know who's the number one, who's the number two. Like, we like are... Andrew Anthony, I think, could be the guy, but exactly he just hasn't done anything. He's played college football for like three years. A lot of unproven talent. A lot of guys that are in the system for the first time it's very again very user friendly if you are tall and you are fast you are a good fit for this offense especially if you can make one or one guy miss that's all you're they're asking yeah. for you um, and that's another guy i think it could lead in yards gosh if see, he like, plays again you are just like talking into existence the doubt that i'm having in this wide receiver room <laughs> because like i think the number one obviously should be farouk right He's the guy that's been there. He decided he he made the conscious decision to stay there and be that guy. I'm hoping he has a breakout season. I'm like begging for him to have a breakout season. The next, that's where it gets a little bit weird. Is it Drake? Is it Stogner? Is it one of the guys we've talked about yet? Drake doesn't have the speed. He doesn't have the speed. Like if you but he's going to be on the, the field twenty four seven. The slot guy absolutely destroys with the speed they just run like a like a skinny post or a a long post something Mm -hmm. like that and they just put them over the back of the linebackers and then once he catches the ball all he has to do is outrun the safety 
So that's where all the bread and butter is. So that's why I think Brennan Thompson could be the guy. I don't I don't think Farouk would play that role. Like no, I think I he'll be know. really good, but I don't think he's I think play Anthony and I think Anthony and uh Farouk are gonna be on the outside. I don't like I think yeah. I think Stoops is in the slot a lot. Uh, I think he's on the field a shit ton because he's the second captain on that offense with Dylan Gabriel. And he's, and savvy. So that's, he's a savvy wide receiver. And that's the thing. He finds open spaces in zones and it's up to Dylan Gabriel to keep his head up and to throw the ball away to protect his body, etc. But it's just, it's one of those things. I think it's Farouk number one, number two. I mean, a lot of people are going to lean Drake Stoops as far as catches. I'll go Drake Stoops as far as catches, but not necessarily yards. Because again, nickel and diming is one thing. Uh, but those big plays down the sideline that Levy is notorious for, those long verts, that's what's going to get you the yards. So, I mean, that, that's, where, that's, where, that's where I'm at. But anyways, that's all I've got for the podcast. That's my tangent. Do you have anything else to add, plug, etc.? cetera? Uh, yeah, uh, discord obviously jump in the discord recruiting is about to explode i think for oklahoma so yes it is no better time to join the discord than right now uh and obviously the recruiting thread has been just non-stop so it's gonna be a great time if you don't have a link just dm one of us we'll get you we'll get you in there yeah and uh and i'll try to i'll just try to post it and just in general and uh not just on twitter but also on threads so you guys should just hang out there too uh we're both on there as well similar handles uh so i would recommend that but with all that said thank you guys for listening uh week in week out i mean i just see everybody joining uh i see our spotify listeners going up that's awesome so i'm, I'm glad to I'm happy to have more spotify listeners um you know i learned steven that 95 percent of the people that listen to our podcast are iphone users so just want to throw that out there to the universe so i mean not it's good fun to have I'm just, I'm just throwing it out there. Uh, but you guys can follow us on Twitter. You can follow me, Kamiar, at K underscore Moravian. You can follow Steven at OUPDATEDSB. Like Steven said, join the Discord. I'll put it in the bio of this podcast. I'll even link it to Linktree on the on Twitter and on uh, on threads, etc. You can find it pretty much anywhere. Um, otherwise, thanks for listening, and we'll check you guys later.